Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee, la da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage. Well, 
Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is a little after 5 on a Wednesday afternoon, Pacific time, of course. And uh, my name is Joe Grumbine, and I'd like to welcome you all and invite you all to share with me a thing that we call a cup of Joe. Um, this is a brew that we all bring a little something to. It's almost like uh, the old stone soup idea, except for with thoughts, ideas, passion, and drive. Hopefully some inspiration, um, some upliftingness, and if anything, a voice for people who wouldn't otherwise have one. We've got an amazing show today. Once again, I don't know, I keep saying that, but it keeps getting more amazing and more amazing. Um, today we've got two special guests and a number of updates. We've got Dee Dee Kirkwood going to be joining us um, from uh, Ventura County, and uh, Dee Dee's a longtime friend, uh, kindred spirit, a member of the Human Solution, uh, an incredible ag advocate and activist, as well as a champion of the prisoners who are locked up for cannabis, especially those serving life, and she's going to talk about her mission. We're going to probe a little bit into her past, her her racy, sordid past, um, and we're going to get into uh, what it's like to be Dee Dee Kirkwood and, and how she's able to make a difference in the world. Uh, we also have John Turmel rejoining us. Uh, John came on last week and plowed through, I don't know, I think about 30 years worth of uh, activities, actions, uh, exploits, and it was really a, a, just a fast clip of facts and figures going along. So I invited John back this week so we can discuss a little bit of that and hopefully, uh, once again, be an inspiration to somebody who might be affected by uh, some of the issues in Canada that John is, is championing. Uh, he's making changes to the court system right now and teaching people how to do it through his website. We're going to get into that. Uh, we also have uh, Glenn Keeling, who's got an update um, in a case and in Ohio, and we also have a case in uh, Michigan. And um, we've got a lot of cases going on right now. This week in the news, I saw um, a case in Michigan. A guy got a 12-year sentence for pot. Um, we got a case in Southern California in Adelanto where they're issuing licenses right now. A guy got raided um, for a manufacturing facility where he was going to be producing a, a line of products that were going to be put on our so-called legal market. And there's been a number of other cases. Uh, I think there's a a new ruling up in Manitoba, Canada, that turns out not to be so good for the folks. We're going to talk about all of this and then some. Uh, this show is brought to you by the Coffee Party and the Coffee Party Radio Network. And if you would like to join the show, all you got to do is pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495. The show is also uh, being podcast on Blog Talk Radio, and there's a link all over Facebook on that. 
And it's also being live streamed on the Joe Grumbine public figure page, and Lisa Wooldridge is streaming it. So there's actually two feeds, and um, they're going to be hopefully bouncing all over the uh, the interwebs anytime soon. So we're going to start off with Dee Dee Kirkwood, and then we'll get over to John Turmel, and we're going to get on to some of these updates and have a rich show. I've got quite a bit to talk about outside of this, um, so in between guests and whatnot, I will have a moment or two to talk about some of these other things that I think are important. Um, this show is also brought to you by the Human Solution International. We're a 501c3 federally recognized nonprofit civil rights organization. And although we are a civil rights organization, we're currently focusing a lot of our attention on the war on drugs, especially the war on cannabis. And we have thought about this long and hard. We've worked at this many, many, many years, almost 10 years now. And we've come up to reaffirm the position that no one should go to jail for a plant, not ever, not for one plant, not for one million plants, not for selling it, not for driving with it, not for transporting it, uh, cultivating it, manufacturing it, manufacturing things with it. There is no reason on this planet to lock up a man or a woman or a child for the cannabis plant, unless, of course, somebody steals it or uses it as a blunt instrument to cause harm, in which case the crime would not be a cannabis crime. It would be a personal injury or a theft-type crime. Unfortunately, in a world where we're making so much progress or so-called perceived progress, there's still lots of people getting locked up, and there's going to continue to be lots of people locked up until we finally end this once and for all. So that's what we're here for. Um, a lot of people get a case. They don't know what to do, where to go. Um, a lot of people jump up on Facebook and start posting things, and they learn a bit and a piece from the Human Solution or other organizations that do similar work by supporting defendants, by educating people, and standing up for their rights, once in a while leaving a little fundraising. Most people, unfortunately, like to go and, you know, do it themselves and go on and create a Facebook event and whatever. Um, the people that end up being very successful at it, um, team up with a group like ours or somebody or, or a group that has similar experiences in rallying support, in um, coordinating an effort, in coordinating a message, in drafting press releases, getting the information out there to the population that needs it, focusing a letter writing campaign at a time where it's valuable. Not every time and every space in a court case can you write a letter and expect to solve anything. But in some parts you can, and we know where those parts are. We've been through it. We've been through cases. I've been through three different uh, cases involving over 20 felony counts, all related to cannabis. Um, beat them all over time, over a six-year battle, and never ratted, never uh, gave up anybody, never gave up anything. It was just a a brutal battle, and if I get time, I'll talk about a little bit of it. Bottom line is, is we've had cases all over the country where people stood their ground and did the right thing and fought it, whether with an attorney or on their own, but they brought support, and they brought a message. They taught the jury uh, some of the facts of the case in, in unconventional means sometimes. They got the press to stand by them, and they did what it took 
to get the support that was necessary to get a victory, and we know how to do it. So the Human Solution International has a website. That is thsintl.org. It's not on Facebook, it's not on Twitter, and it's not on uh, Instagram, although we're there. That's not where the website is, and that's not where all of the coordinating happens. So I'm a little frustrated with Facebook and the interwebs right now, and I'm going to be retreating to the website primarily for the next little while because I really feel that it's a wonderful resource and it's uh, a value to anybody that uses it. So I welcome you to participate, put your date on our calendar, uh, sign up as as a officially supported defendant, and participate the Human Solution way. All right, we're going to begin with Dee Dee Kirkwood. I met Dee Dee Kirkwood about, I don't know, I think it must have been five years ago. No, it was 2013. I met Dee Dee Kirkwood um, just after our Journey for Justice 10-day bus ride up to uh, Montana for a sentencing hearing, and it was quite a uh, an adventure, and it's actually kind of uh, serendipitous that I met Dee Dee Kirkwood after taking an adventure like that, because Dee Dee Kirkwood likes to take adventures as well. Anyways, um, we instantly fell in love, and um, she uh, came to understand, appreciate, and uh, participate in the work that the Human Solution is doing very quickly, and she's taken it um, to another level on her own. So we're going to bring her up right now. Without further ado, Dee Dee Kirkwood, welcome <laughs> to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, Joe, thank you so much for all those nice words. And and the reason I am uh, have gotten so far was because when I joined the Human Solution through Patrice and Tom Corby, well, you had Adela that was doing all this lifer work. And that's how through the Human Solution and all that that I have come on the path I did. So I thank you, Joe, because I am I am here to stay. <laughs> I have a mission, and I got that through you and the Human Solution. So I just wanted to acknowledge and thank you for that right off the bat. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, um, you know, Didi, you have taken a, uh, an interesting journey to activism, and uh, as, as we're going to talk about your work with the prisoners, because that's kind of the focal point of this story, but I want to sort of lead the way to it from how we met and, and you know, what I learned about you, and, and you know, you, you've supported a number of cases along the way um, as they've been happening. And, um, you know, when I first met you, it was, I think, shortly after the the Cannabis got finished with its trip and Tom mm-hmm. Corby came down and we met you at your house uh, in yeah. L.A. And um, we come to learn about your, the, your play, the story of your life, uh, Toke. And uh, subsequently we, you know, got turned into a movie. We watched it and learned a lot about you, and, um, you know, you had a, um, a very free-spirited uh, journey through the first part of your life, and, and an exciting one. I mean, you, you have no fear in picking up and, and traveling around and, and, and exploring and, and learning things wherever you go, meeting people and, and you know, following your bliss. But at the same time, the cannabis plant has been part of your life as a kind of interwoven mm-hmm. uh, common thread. 
And at the end of your story, um, of, of your, you know, your movie and your play, you <laughs> discovered that in, in the experience of legalization and, and, and medical uh, laws being passed, there's still a big battle and it's still a lot of people suffering from it. And at the end of your story, you know, you sort of made a commitment that this was the beginning of your journey. Exactly. And exactly. shortly after we met and you became a member of the Human Solution, there were a number of um, cases, both state and federal, um, that whenever they were out in your neck of the woods, or hell, sometimes you came out to our neck of the woods, uh, you would come mm -hmm. out there in court support. And, um, you know, it was always um, a treat to see you with us because of, you know, the energy that you bring and and a genuine um, concern and care. I think there's something that mm -hmm. is lacking in the world today, um, generally speaking. I think there's so few people that... Um, have a true compassion and and concern, and I I've always gotten from you just that that you know this is so real for you, and you I've watched your actions. You know, people talk people talk a lot about what they're going to do and what they think and what their you know their plans are, but so few few people that I've ever met have acted the way you have, and. At the time, the Human Solution was very heavily involved with the prisoner outreach as we had a number of, of members. We had Stephanie and, and Adela and Sherry and, mm -hmm. and um, um, Amy and, Amy and, and yeah. uh, Beth Curtis and all these people yes. that yes. were part of yes. our organization that were heavily involved in the prison outreach. And mm -hmm. subsequently, all of those people have gone on and done their own things, and the Human mm -hmm. Solution is continued on, but primarily we're, our focus is still on the defendant, and you've carried the banner of, yeah. of supporting these lifers. So why don't you take it from here and tell us a little bit about, um, you know, <clears throat> what you've done. I know you've you've had personal relationships with a number of inmates beyond just a, an occasional letter or Coralink's email. Um, why don't you share some of that with us? Okay. Uh, thank you, Joe, for all of that. Well, I would just like to say something about how I got to this point, and it was through that writing uh, about my situation, where I was. I could only reflect and write about where I was. I never had an imagination. And I always felt there was something I was supposed to be doing, but I just never knew, so I just kept writing. And I never felt like I was a natural or I even wanted to do it. But I just kept doing it out of by default, nothing else – met my fancy how I could work to further to get to this point that I feel I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So at the end of my movie, which is just on YouTube, the whole thing is there. It's just Dee Dee Kirkwood toke the movie uh, at YouTube um, about, I, I did it in like 2014. And since 2014, there are about like 30 people that ever saw that movie. It was, it's kind of like almost <laughs> like embarrassing because I just like don't know what I'm doing and I can't really say I'm not a filmmaker. It was that the only thing I knew what I could do. And now all of a sudden, because of a little bit of attention I'm trying to get for the lifers, all of a sudden I have 200 people that saw that movie and I'm like going, oh my God, that somebody gives a shit is really for me like a surprise because I've 
been doing this so long and nobody has ever looked in my direction for anything. And now I want to get out as far as I can because I want to represent these lifers. And so everything I am doing now is just because I've connected with a group of people who I feel like need me. They can use me. I'm not just like doing it for no reason because I feel by shining a light on them any way I can that some shit's going to happen or something's going to happen when enough people believe and know that there are human beings for the rest of their life and will die in prison for a miracle plant. People seriously don't believe me. So I have well, to why just do anything. Katie, like, why don't you go back to that yes. for a second? Because I think still people yeah. don't understand. And, and sometimes it's frustrating because I, I feel like I'm a decent communicator more often than not, but people yeah. still don't get it so many times, so many ways. And why don't you just explain what you just said again, that there are actually people in prison today yes. for life, yeah. for pot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How does that happen? Um, uh, how does that happen? I would say uh, worst-case scenarios and a thread that is so familiar is that they all have, well, several, I mean, most integrity and integrity means they could have snitched, they could have ratted out, they could have tattletailed on anybody and made their sentence less. And there are people that did that are all off and they're free, but these human beings have chosen this path of saying, no, I am not going to, I'm going to suck it up. And this is, that's outrageous. That's unbelievable. So I honor these lifers because I wouldn't even want to think, I hope I never am in that situation, because that is like way, way out there that they can do that. And so I just really get spiritually so connected, and, and I'm enriched by the human beings they are. And in particular, Michael Pelletier, who has life without parole, and he has been in a wheelchair uh, since the age of 11, and they all have their own stories, which you can look up on, on 420 POW. Adela has all everybody's stories. Uh, but anyway, he he will die in prison for for a for a plant. And I talked to him. He's just this man of integrity that I'm talking about, and he doesn't complain. So what I am doing with Michael is I'm just doing everything in my power, anything I can come up with. I know nothing about legal. I just do a lot of praying with him. And so now I'm helping to find a lawyer and Mindy's going to help me put up a site for him. And he's right. Then he's got some paintings that are going to be underway and we're going to make an eBay site and try and sell them on eBay. So it's this kind of like, instead of doing toke, it's like the whole project is just whatever I can create, however far fetched to shine a light on this situation that exists and nobody believes they're like the secret of the department of justice. People just don't even believe it because it's because they can walk out of prison and they can have a joint and they are inside until they die. That's outrageous. I have to do whatever I can. And so the other thing that oh. I did because I yes go on yes yes. No, I was going to say that's that to me is is the critical point here, and I I wish I could get more people to get that one little kernel there. I. I need to do 
whatever I can. Now that's that's a powerful statement, and I you know imagine you know Dee, there's probably a dozen people that I know of, maybe maybe 25 or maybe 50 that that even get that and and are willing to do. And half of those people are are here with us watching this show right now or listening to it. Um, I think that hopefully, and, and one of the reasons I wanted you to come and tell your story is if one more person gets it, you know, it's it, everybody listens to a different voice or, you know, my voice reaches a certain group of people. Your voice will reach some people mine won't. Well, John's is going to reach yet another voice, and that's why we have this sort of open forum. But I just really, um, I want to, I want to really just shine the light on the fact that one person doing everything they can can lead to another person doing everything they can. And I firmly know, I, I don't believe this, I know this, that when enough of us start doing everything we can, we're going to start getting what we want. And, you know, these people not being locked up anymore will be one of those things that we want. So I'm sorry to cut you mm-hmm. off. I just needed to throw that in. I think it's important. No, 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 no. And, and you know what? I think that uh... – that everybody does something, and that's what contributes contributes to this change of consciousness that I think that we're all going through. Do you know what I mean? I just happen to be older. I'll be turning 70 next year, and I'm at a point in my life when I can put all 100%. My kids are grown, all this stuff. You know what I mean? I've downsized, and here I am. So the timing is right. I could not have done this one second before now. So everybody kind of has their own path, but I feel we are a family and we're all in this together. So no matter how much we give or, you know what I mean, it's all heading in the same direction of getting these lifers free and ending prohibition. So, yeah, I hear you. Hey, Dee, guess who's on the phone right now? Craig, guess who's, guess who's, yes. have a prepaid call. You will not be charged mm-hmm. for this call. Who's calling from? Craig Fishel. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call or to accept. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Joe. I'm doing well. I'm doing the best I can here in Central Indiana. <laughs> well, guess who's here with me today? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know where to start getting this. <laughs> well, let, let's start with E.D. Kirkwood. Wow, that was my guess, and I hear there was just a very complimentary breakup tone about Dee Dee. Yeah, and she deserves every bit of it. Dee Dee, I'm going to put you straight over with Craig, and you guys can talk for a sec. Oh, my gosh, Craig. I'm so nervous. I start sweating when I think where you are right now, but good to hear your voice. Thank you so much for those kind words, Craig, very much. Oh, thank you. Uh, you're the activist amongst amongst activists. It's wonderful that, um, that you, you've, from day one since I've been involved with uh, Joe and his group and with all the people you put right there, and, and you're one of the, the people that have just hung on the tightest and get along with everybody. And, um, and so many things just come forward, just like the, the marijuana fairy. <laughs> <laughs> I, just yes. can't, I can't thank you enough. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Well, I will do everything in my power and never give up until you are free. I will tell you that. Yes, I am committed and devoted and dedicated because I can't bear that you're inside. 
So you got a team working for you to get you out, that's for sure. So Craig, what, thank, you. thank you. What's been going on this week in uh in lovely Indiana? Well, it it's been fairly quiet here at the prison, which is which is good news. The weather has gotten colder and uh people are getting jammed together, but so far, um you know, things tend to be fairly mild around here. There was a, a big hole in the here this morning because uh, this is a complex with uh, the USP, which is a high custody, the medium custody, we're sitting right now in the prison camp. Well, it turns out an officer at the camp got arrested for arranging for inmates to meet up with their, <laughs> with their significant other at a hotel room down the street. No way. <laughs> it was a big uh, federal arrest and a big to-do here this morning. So wow. <laughs> that's our bit of excitement for the week. <laughs> that's crazy. So are the, are they, the food provisions still moving forward? You're still okay with that? Yes, yes. Um, the food... It seems to be improving. Uh, there's more and more people becoming involved when they see activity here. And as you know, the person came from uh, Washington, D.C. to help straighten things up. Now, he's on vacation this week, and everybody has noticed <laughs> But uh, he's definitely made some uh, significant improvements here. I mean, and I think it's because it, they got the outside pressure that Washington, D.C., Send somebody here to make a difference, and he's definitely made a difference. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I this time of year especially, to think that, uh, you know, rations were cut, and, you know, in a, in a prison, one of the only things that they ever do to make things a little nicer around the holidays is to actually have a decent meal now and again. And when I heard that they were taking that away, you know, and, and stripping it down to very little, it was, you know, just brutal. I, I you know, I it, it, it's hard to believe, you know, that you're there to begin with, but to to think that, uh, you know, even even the most basic meal wasn't available, it was just unacceptable. And the, the sad part is it's the only reason they do that is that they're, there was nobody looking over the shoulder. There's nobody to watch them. And uh, you and the, the people that have acted along with you showed them that it wasn't completely And then, you know, outside people were aware of what they were doing. And, you know, you made outside people aware. They, they made contact. And that made all the difference. It made all the difference when these people knew they couldn't hide behind the fence and, you know, do what they wanted to. It says... Unfortunately, they do, you know, so often. Well, you know, it's it's one of these things. There's a, it's a crazy world right now. We got uh, California's on fire again. We got, you know, all the the mayhem and shenanigans of Donald Trump. We got, uh, we got issues in Canada. They just uh, clarified a law that that takes away rights Let's call. Let's that they just Let's gave uh, their citizens. You know, in the name of legalization, and now they make new crimes out of what would have been not a, you know, not a problem previous. Uh, we got a guy in um, Michigan that just got a 12-year sentence on a state case in a, where they have a medical law. Um, you know, it's just, it's just topsy-turvy. 
But at the same time, I feel like, you know, we're still slowly progressing towards this thing that's going to ultimately be liberty and a, and a world where, you know, people don't get locked up for, for this planet anymore. That's true because, you know, even as you say in the states where, you know, the state has shown overwhelmingly, such as California, that they, you know, want marijuana and recreational marijuana available. There's still people being prosecuted by the law enforcement all over. But I did hear there was good news from Los Angeles today. I did see that in the news today. What did you see? I really haven't been watching the news today. Pardon? I said, what did you see? I haven't been. All they're running over here is the fires. I haven't really, didn't hear anything. Oh, well, maybe we even get more marijuana news here, considering Indiana is one of the hardest states on marijuana. But apparently uh, Los Angeles approved the retail sale of uh, marijuana within the city of Los Angeles. Now, apparently each city has some approved, you know, sales under your recreational law. Right, yeah, yeah, it's all... Los Angeles is the largest city in the country now to have uh, recreational marijuana. Right, yep, no, it's absolutely true. And in fact, uh, you know, shortly after uh, we passed our medical law in 1996, Los Angeles came aboard uh, early on and licensed uh, dispensaries. And there's been what they call pre-ICO dispensaries out since... Um, very early after we passed our law. So in, in one level, you would say, you know, L.A. is a very progressive, forward-thinking city. Um, but on the other hand, um, there's been so many cases, they pick and choose when they decide to go after somebody. Unfortunately, many times it's politically and personally motivated. That's true. Unfortunately, you know, I see him still here coming in the door and, you know, I, I read these marijuana cases and, you know, it still makes me shake my head. You know, why are they still arresting people when, you know, overall the American people have spoken? Well, and it's not only that. It's a double-edged sword. Why the American people have already spoken at the same time, violent crimes still exist. How the hell do you put resources towards a non-violent, non-victimless crime when there's still violence out there, and that has to be that should be stopped. I mean, there's no priorities in these in these cases. It's all about the money. It's all about the funding. It's all about the government, federal grants, and all the the, the low hanging fruit of asset forfeiture, and the lobbies that are pushing for enforcement to continue. The prison guards lobby, the the pharmaceutical companies lobby. Hell, even the oil companies don't want this to move forward because they're all threatened by it. That's, that's, like, uh, here I look around here, and I, I know the last two years, violent crime across the country was up 11% two years in a row. And here I look at the cases coming into the prison here. One of my buddies, uh, uh, his Chevy dealership got into trouble. He wrote a bunch of checks and they bounced, and here he is in federal prison for that. Yet, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the violent crime in this town, that there isn't even money for investigators. Nothing bigger. Well, a few months back, or a month or two back, there was a guy, and I don't remember all the details because I tried not to think about it, but 
a guy had raped a young, you know, an underage girl, um, got her pregnant through that rape. He served some time. He got out, and the judge recently granted him um, not custody but visitation of his kid that he had through the through a rape. And now this girl, who is the mother of this kid, not only you know has to still live with it, but now she has to deal with the guy who's no longer in prison after committing you know and he, and he had kidnapped her and held her uh, hostage for days. You know this is a, a, a brutal, violent, heinous crime, and he only served a few years. It's pathetic. And another case I just heard about yesterday, as a matter of fact, was about a congressman, uh, Jefferson, from Louisiana. He was convicted of taking bribes to vote a certain way. He took a $100,000 bribe, and I think he made all the front page news. And then the FBI went and found the bribe money in his freezer. Oh, yeah, yeah, the cold cash. <laughs> and he, uh, he just slipped out of that. But... That didn't even come back. He, he's not going to do any time over that, I don't think. Yes. Well, he got sentenced to 10 years or a little bit over 10 years in prison. And just in the last week, the prosecutor and his lawyer made an agreement that they'll just terminate his sentence for right. five years and let him go. Exactly. There's no reason at all. <laughs> but here's the you know, a connected politician who betrayed everybody in the United States by voting the way he was made, and yet they decided, you know, the let's call it from a federal prison that he should be shown mercy. <laughs> well, and and you know, it just goes goes to show you, um, you know, Dee Dee and I were talking about the cases we've watched, and it's it's our system is not a justice system; it's a legal system. And unfortunately, in so many cases, it's not what you did, it's who you know. And, you know, the people that get prosecuted the most difficult are the ones that can't fight back. They're the, 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 the ones that are not connected, the ones that can't afford an attorney, don't have any strings to pull, and the ones that do find their way to slip through the cracks more often than not. Every once in a while, they hang somebody, I think, just to keep us from rioting, but, you know, nine out of ten of them, if you're connected, you're not going to do, you're not going to serve justice, you're not going to have a sentence commiserate with your crime, and you look at how many of these people, you know, so many cases, every single day, another case that, that is showing an abuse of power, uh, whether it's it's violating a woman or or taking advantage of, of uh, you know bribes or or whatever people use their power corruptly, which you know there's some saying about that, but the truth it's the truth, and you would think that the crime would be more severe. It's supposed to be if you abuse a, a position of power to commit a crime, but these are the people that walk the fastest and slip through the cracks the most.
are the people who voluntarily shifted the marijuana or whatever else they were peddling, and, and you know, because they wanted it. Yeah. In words, in a violent crime, it's hard to say that the victim of a violent crime wanted to be victimized. <laughs> well, and, you know, you just made a great point. In all the years that I have cultivated, consumed, and distributed cannabis, I've never met anybody or even heard of a case where somebody forced their drugs on somebody. You know, I've never heard of anybody being, you know, force-smoked, you know, as a as a crime. I just don't know. There's your first beep, Craig. I'm going to go ahead, and, and Dee, if you've got something you want to add, there's just a few minutes left, um, I'm going to let it go. <laughs> Craig, uh, oh, I, I love you. Yes. Everybody yes. who helps, uh, especially... Uh, Dee Dee and all that she does, you know, in plays, in, uh, in aprons, and, and just being out there and just being active here today, and, and Mindy and so many others that I, I know are watching, and, and they really help shine a light on us in here and, and help keep us, you know, at least being much more treated. Um, they give a whole lot of uh, hope to me that hope that I'm going to get out and get on that fishing trip with you sometime, Jim. Well, thank you very uh, much. Very much. Or, Dee, go ahead. Yeah, no. Yeah, can't wait till we go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it goes. Good timing, Dee. Dee. Uh, oh. You know, they always get cut off right there in the middle of the thought. So it's hard to. Uh, I should actually time from from the beep. To uh, to the cutoff. Um, so, anyways, where we left off, Dee Dee, um, you were talking about uh, uh, these prisoners and the the different, you know, Michael Pelletier and and then then Craig mm-hmm. called in and and you know, um, how many inmates do you have um, a personal relationship with right now that are you know from anywhere from an occasional email or a card to going and visiting them or whatever, whatever the relationship is. How many, how many inmates do you think that yeah. you're uh, participating with right now? Well, well, I have two that I email every night, Michael Pelletier and Michael Thompson, and then on different, like once a month or whatever, about 30. Wow. So and some would be just know, dropping a birthday card or, you know what I mean, just somehow keeping in touch. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, yeah. recently you embarked on a new little program, um, and actually, if you're looking at my um, my live stream, you can see a picture of it. I'm pointing to it right now. Oops, there it is. Um, why don't you tell us about your, your apron project? Well, that started because I, I felt like I had to do something. I, I didn't know I needed to just continue this pulling out of thin air some activity that could shed light on these lifers. And I I like to sew. Uh, so I, I just said to my husband, I'm just going to get some fabric and I'm just going to print out some of my pot fairy patches. And, and I just made 31 aprons for 31 pot lifers. So I just made it up and then I made a website and my website is potfairy.com which shows the lifers and it tells my story and it shows the pictures of me washing the fabric and ironing the fabric and thread you know it's the step-by-step of how I made the apron and then it's got like a contact so if anybody wanted to contact me they could just send me an email that's on that potfairy.com so 
I, I'm still making these, and I have them in a dispensary in Ojai. Uh, that's the first place that I really can say I did it because I built a display. It's a pot lifer display, and it has the aprons hanging on it. So when people go in to buy their stuff, they'll see about uh, the lifers, and I have a flyer there that talks about the lifers. So, you know, I'm just – that was the, the apron thing, and I'm still making some aprons. So uh, – you know, if anybody wants one, I just make them to order. I don't, like, have a stock. I just go sew. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that. Well, so I'm still kind of doing well, it. Well, when somebody yes. buys an apron, um, what happens oh, yeah, with yeah, the yeah, money? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot that part. Um, so I, I charge $42, and 100% of the money goes to a lifer for their commissary account so they can get stamps or waters or food or phone calls home or a comb or toothbrush, all those basics that they have to pay for. That's, I mean, that's highway robbery. But anyway, so the money goes just to either somebody can pictures and tell me who specifically they want it to go to, or I just pick somebody that hasn't gotten the $42 donation. And then I send them uh, a, a letter saying, you know, you're being thought of and somebody bought an apron and it's going to you. Uh, and so I do it that way too. So, um, that's the follow-up. Yeah. And that's the apron project. How many of these aprons have, uh, have you sold so far? Uh, I probably sold like about 30, but I, to be very honest, I had to give a couple of them away. So I can't say all 30 went to prisoners. So that's why I'm feeling guilty and I'm making some more now. It's time to give more to the prisoners. <sighs> anyway. Well, let yeah. me ask you, Dee, I, I get people all the time that connect with me and they say, you know, yeah. I want to help. I want to do something. And, yeah. you know, yeah. frankly, I I go through inspired moments and frustrated moments. I'm going through sort of a mm -hmm. frustrated moment right now um, mm -hmm. because people tend to not, uh, you know, keep their word about things. But for people that want to help, and they don't know what to do, what would you tell them as far as how to, you know, send a little postcard or, or some simple way that somebody can help without it being a big old inconvenience or having to go and do, you know, hours or weeks or months worth of work? Um, what would you say to these people? I would say just like you said, Joe, just uh, write a, a postcard or a card and it seems like it's awkward, but it, uh, my first thing was like, hello, my name is, I live in, you know, wherever Los Angeles, and just tell a little bit. So it's a little bit weird, or you don't even need to say that much. You can just say thinking of you from the outside world. or So I would say just uh, an outreach as is in a postcard or a, or a letter, that's simple. And, and you know, I really use uh, Adela's POW420, or is it 420 POW? I always get it mixed up. But there's a whole list of the lifers with their addresses and everything. So, you know, it can be an independent project. Just pick one. It's so random. It's like a cold call because it means so much to them. They are in for life, you know, to know that somebody hasn't forgotten them. It, I think that's the least amount of time and means the most is to be thought of, that thoughtfulness. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I don't know how many of these inmates – especially some of the ones that have, you know, since been released, um, even the ones that weren't in for life, one of the things that they always yeah. said was, 
you know, when we finally connected with him, that that was the first time. I remember Irma Allred came on the show um, mm. a couple of months back, and she said, you know, when mm-hmm. we reached out to her, she hadn't talked to anybody in years, and she was just stuck mm. there. And, uh, you know, mm. and, and a number of them have had this, the same experience where they were sitting in there yeah. for many years kind of um, sequestered away from everybody, and then all of a sudden yeah. somebody broke through the bell and said hi. And and what a difference that can make. Well, I I think it's yeah. amazing work you're doing, and I I always want to share uh, your work. Now, here's another little point, and I just think it's a really important one. You're you're doing, you know, in Craig's words, you're you're an activist among activists. You're an advocate among <laughs> advocates. What do you feel your qualifications are that makes you such an incredible um, helper of others? Uh, well, thank you. I am very sensitive to the suffering of others. I was kind of born with an internal spiritual drive, and everything I do is kind of like it comes from the heart. So to be doing what I'm doing now. You don't have to go to training for this. You don't have to. No. uh, No. No. Just have to. No. And I don't even know their cases, Joe. You know, people like say, well, what happened and what did they do and how much marijuana did they have and what was – I'm like, going, well, I don't even know because to me Cheers. it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. I don't even know and I don't even understand those law words. So I have no qualifications and I don't even know what I'm talking about. When they try – I think people don't believe me because I, I speak just like from the heart. I don't know like real world stuff about – but – Die in prison for a miracle plant. That's all I need to know. So that comes easy. And then I have no oh. other qualifications except for my desire. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a I spiritual person. I appreciate the simplicity of that. Yes. That was kind yes. of my point, is that you yes. don't have to do anything. All you have to do is just be a human being with a heart and a soul. Yes. And you need to care exactly. about something beyond your own basic yeah. personal needs. And And the other side of it is, even if you are a selfish person or a business person who doesn't care, mm-hmm. what if it happens to you? And, you know, who's going to help you? Exactly. And I think that, you know, I think it's, yeah. it, it's a, you know, kind of a rough way to put it, but it's the truth. Yes. Well, yeah. You inspire me it's every a... single day. And, and every time oh, I see somebody no. willing to uh, go outside of their comfort zone and do something beyond, um, you know, the normal posting a like on Facebook um, yeah. it, it just warms my heart, and I just think it's important uh, to have you as part of this show as you are a part of the human solution and you are a part of the yes, solution. Yes, I am. Ending yes. prohibition, and it just, we just need yes. enough people care long yes. enough to make that happen. Anything yes. else you this want to say? People uh, how my does family. Somebody, why don't you give the website address once again on how somebody can get a hold of you okay. and order one of those All right. amazing aprons? Okay. Okay. Uh, Pot Fairy. Potfairy.com. That's a simple enough way. Well, Dee, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a treat, and I can't wait to see you again soon. Okay. Love you, Joe. Love everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Love you back. Once again, Dee Dee Kirkwood, um, and she's just an amazing individual, and every time she comes on, um, it's, 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 it's important. And if you can listen to the sincerity in her voice, and I just know from personal experience, she walks the walk, and it's not just uh, lip service. 
All right, so we're going to do a couple of, of updates here, and then we're going to get back to John Turmel. Um, John's been patiently waiting. I appreciate uh, that you've been sitting on the line. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get to Glenn Keeling. We've got um, an update in Ohio, and um, I just caught a word that it looks like uh, Glenn wants to uh, get a chapter going again. We've had a chapter going at one point in Ohio, and um, uh, just, you know, people get busy, they start doing other things, and unfortunately it takes, unf unfortunately most of the chapters that have started have been because of a current case, and um, some of them continue on after the case, some come and go. But the point is, is when we have a chapter, that's when we have the ability to grow and share the information that we've learned, work together as a team, and be connected to an international organization that's got people all over the world united on this front of ending prohibition and standing by the victims, the people that are actually victimized by this war on drugs. All right, we got Glenn Keeling with this update. And, uh, Glenn, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Joe. Thank you for having me on again. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know you have an update. Just want you to know we sent out your ribbons today, and um, I am very much looking forward to getting a new chapter chartered out there. Uh, we have an existing chapter, just nobody in it. Um, so I would love to uh, talk to you after the show or in the next couple of days and uh, uh, work the bugs out and, and get this thing lit up again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, being, you, you know, before I become a victim of, of the system, um, you know, I, I did what I could to help other patients and help other people get to where they needed to be. But being in the system as I am now, I, it's an eye-opening that there is so many people that it's being persecuted against just because of a plant. And it's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing that the, the law enforcement and the government is doing to good people. No, it's absolutely true. And I, I think, you know, unfortunately, legalization in a lot of ways goes against us because people believe errantly that if it's legal, and I put big old quotes up on legal, that nobody can get in trouble for it anymore. And when somebody does get in trouble for it, people erroneously think that, well, they must have done something wrong. And I think that uh, there becomes more apathy as we get laws that pass that sort of protect us um, because people feel like we're done. And, you know, in Ohio, I know you guys passed some uh, decriminalization and in Michigan uh, many years ago, California, Oregon, Washington, uh, uh, and so many other states in Colorado, and there's still so many cases coming out of those, and it seems harder and harder to get support for the people that are willing to stand up in those states. What do you think on that? Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, you know, we're finding out, I mean, we had our medical cards. Everything was in order. Um, and, it, and it's not happening just to here in Ohio. I mean, like you said, it's happening everywhere. All these people that are under the impression that, you know, well, I went and, and seen the doctor and I've done everything I should do. But in the end, it doesn't really matter how much we think we're protected. There's always somebody going to be there with a badge to tell us how wrong we are. And that, yeah, uh, and in, in so I, many cases, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it, it comes with a sheriff or a prosecutor or a judge that says, well, not in my town you don't. I don't care what the law says. You're not doing that in my town. 
And, right. you know, we still have, like Craig Cecil said from federal prison, he said, you know, the people have unanimously, not unanimously, but, but overwhelmingly spoken that we want this to be available. We want there to be uh, cannabis access, whether you want to call it decrim, legalization, abrogate, repeal, I don't care what you call it, make it not a crime. That's the only thing that I care about. Whatever you want to do beyond that, make it not a crime. And that'll at least fix it in my book. It'll end the prohibition and let the people locked up for this and this alone. It'll make them not be locked up anymore. Right. I, I think that, you know, as a country as a whole, I think we need to have a re-education. And it's not just starting with the adults. I mean, if you look at the school system itself, you're starting them at a young age, you know, telling them that drugs is bad, drugs is bad, drugs. And they're not distinguishing the fact of what drugs are really. And I think there's a huge mislabeling on what things are with the changing rules and legislation as there is. Finding out that marijuana is not a drug. It is medicine for 80% of the country. There's a lot of people that need this particular medicine that over all the opiates and all the pharmaceuticals, they, they kill people on a daily basis. And in 2,000 years, there's not been one death of an overdose from marijuana. I mean, they're going to have to look at the education system and look at all how people are viewing marijuana. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think, Glenn, we need to maybe have you come on next week more as a featured guest. I've got uh, John Turmel waiting online from Canada. I did want to hear your update and then um, let's let's go ahead and schedule you for a, a more of an in-depth interview for next week. I don't um, have a bunch of guests lined up, and we can have more of a free-form talk. Right, absolutely. Well, the, uh, and to update what's going on is Peggy uh, went to her first uh, parents, and they ended up taking her first parents into initial. Um, she pled not guilty to it, and, and talking with her attorney, because of the way they have labeled uh, getting the search warrant, and my attorney kind of really agreed today the same thing, that because of the way they have it worded, that they're going to have to throw out the search warrant. So, of course, you know, if the search warrant goes, then everything else is going to have to go out with it as well. Well, that's brilliant. That's one of the moves that, you know, I think if more of us used, uh, you know, in my case, we tried that, but the judge was in cahoots with the other judge. Um, but it, many times, if we can... Uh, they have two routes about it. You can quash the warrant. You can traverse the warrant. One is you render it void or you go over the top of it and say it it wasn't valid. There's two routes. And in many cases, um, like you said, if the warrant's no good, everything behind it's no good. It's a, it, the, They call it the fruit of the poison tree, and the whole case is gone. So um, I certainly hope that that prevails and um, – you know, the fact that they're not holding her on bond is, is a good indicator. Um, usually they <laughs> they dig deep when they can, and they get us as hard as they can when they can. And when they can't, they usually, you know, throw us against the wall and see if we stick. But um, if we squirm our way through it, we can, we can wriggle free a lot of times. Right, absolutely, absolutely. I'm glad that this is going the way that it's going. Um, and they did not arrest her. They dropped her. They gave her a... Uh, with looking at all the charges and everything, somebody normally does not walk away from this with an OR bond, and she was able to go with an OR bond yesterday. Yeah, like I was saying, that tells me they don't have a case. 
Well, Glenn, um, let's you and I talk tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be on the road for a good part of tomorrow, so um, let's let's plan on talking, and I can walk you through uh, what it's going to take to get a chapter going. It's a real simple situation, especially since you're going through a case. Uh, we'll make it easy, and um, you know we're just trying to get the the flag hurled up there that there's an outpost, um, and you'll find you'll likely find that there are other people within 50 to 100 miles of you that are going through the same thing. And that's a big part of what the Human Solutions is about, is we're a self-help resource. We bring people together, we share what we've learned, and we teach you how to, how, how to use the tools we've already got for the last, you know, 10, 15 years of battling these cases. So, all right, Glenn, let's plan on talking tomorrow, and uh, we'll have you on as a featured guest next week. And I've got... Uh, uh, one more uh, quick update from Jennifer Wynn, and then we're going to go right to John Turmel, and he's going to get the lion's share of the rest of the show. Uh, Jennifer Wynn's got an update. She's been a friend of the show for, hell, almost two years now, um, and she's out there um, championing the rights of children and, and parents to be together and not uh, to be torn apart especially as a result of this plan, but for any number of uh, ridiculous reasons. Um, the child support or child safety DCFS and DCS and DFS and all these other acronyms that are supposed to be to protect children. turns out uh, they have another agenda, and Jennifer has exposed many cases um, where it's, it's, it's a – it's a money-making scheme, and there's people that benefit financially from fostering kids and getting kids to be in foster care and ultimately to get adopted. There's there's so much money to be made at it, and it's an easy target for most people who don't know how to fight back. And the family law courts aren't like regular courts. You don't get a jury trial. You don't get the same rights as you do uh, when you're charged with a, a regular crime. So, Jennifer, uh, you've got an update that's Outside of this, this is a, a refugee case. Why don't you welcome to the show? I thank you. I do. And um, in Kansas, you know, we are still back in the 1950s with the draconian laws and the refusal to recognize cannabis as a, you know, life-saving plant. And um, we had a boy here, Gavin, whose mom has fought tooth and nail. We've fought many times, many rallies, many times of going to Topeka in front of our legislators with her child um, who suffers from epilepsy. And this last round, and you have to understand, Gavin uh, is eight years old. He has to wear a helmet uh, because the seizures are so violent that he ends up with stitches regularly. Um, and there is no warning, as you well know, with epilepsy. There's no warning signs. There's no nothing. He's having full grand mal seizures. Well, the grandma seizures became so bad a few weeks ago that she'd taken him to the hospital. And from there, they were going to try him on the, quote, last pharmaceutical drug that they could throw at it, end quote. So they put him on a pharmaceutical that completely made the child comatose. He couldn't carry a conversation. Melissa called me and was sobbing because her child was dying. And all I could say to her is, you have got to get him out of Kansas. You have got to get this child to Colorado, California, somewhere. You have to go, Melissa, or your child will die. And she did. So a few days before Thanksgiving, she ran with her child, leaving behind her husband 
and her other children to save her son. And today, my update is Gavin is now one week completely 100% seizure-free. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So and you know what it, it is? is? It's fucking pathetic that any state, is. any country, any place on this planet would do anything but everything they could to help a child stop from an Not agonizing existence. And yep. whether it's cancer we would, or we would rather, or, Yes, we would rather let them die than give them a plant that we factually know can save them. Yes, that's what we do. As and, 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 and it shouldn't beings. matter what it is. I don't care if, if you know, snorting a, an opium flower stops your seizures, if it doesn't hurt you any more than all the other drugs that would do it, who cares? Correct. Why not have a child's best interest in mind? Why not just care about the child? I it's 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 it just drives me nuts and, and you know, one of the reasons yeah, we do this show right now is because this kind of crap is still happening all over the world and I am so sorry for people that live in Kansas. I wish, you know, I wish it wasn't well, I that way, but you legislators are going to be sorry that they ever voted down the last bill that we tried to pass because we will demand this session that our lawmakers actually follow the will of their constituents. And we, the people, already know that this is ridiculous, that children, adults, our loved ones are suffering while they pocket, line their pockets with the harmful effects of prohibition it's disgusting and it's not excused in my you know my term it is not acceptable. <laughs> it's unacceptable it is not acceptable. <laughs> um, i just and it is. i can't hardly contain it so i, I laugh but it's not funny it is coming. absolutely unacceptable and it's not even it's not even you know making light of it it's absolutely unacceptable and i think that you know you're, I don't know if you heard Dee Dee Kirkwood on the line, but, you know, the, the guests of, on this show tend to be those types of people that care. Unfortunately, they're scattered few and far across the country and across the world, but I think that that's mm-hmm. what we bring you all together. We bring us all together to share this message, yes. and it's multifaceted. It covers every possible uh, segment of, of society and families, and, and it, it touches everything. And it's got one simple answer in prohibition worldwide, just in it. And so much Correct. of this was just done. It would just be yes. done. It was wrong when they, they started alcohol prohibition, they corrected it. It was wrong that they started prohibition on a plant for the, for again, the whole purpose behind that, as we all know now was greed. It was greed that caused the prohibition on cannabis. And, you know, this, this plant's been used for 5,000 years as a medicine. Um, the, but, but nonetheless, I, I wanted to call. I will, be, I will get to see Gavin this coming week, and I'm oh, very good. excited, and we'll, we'll be doing a live update. And if I have a chance, um, if I'm still right there in the vicinity, I, I will try and call in next Wednesday. And now that Gavin can actually talk, he's bright, he's, he's so clear. I mean, if you look at the pictures of before and now, it is disgusting what we're doing, and it makes me very angry. And my term is not acceptable. 
Um, <laughs> it's not unacceptable. I mean, it is unacceptable, but it is not acceptable in my book. So I, I, I just want I, to give a quick update and let you yes. guys know um, the progress of this child. And it's still very difficult for him, Joe, because he wants his dad. He wants of to be home. Of course he does. And he of course can't. He does. And at eight years old, he doesn't quite understand it, except for that our lawmakers have let him down, and they are the bad guys to him, and they're the bad guys to me. Um, so this year we're going to push even harder, and only this time Gavin will get to address them because he can actually talk without the pharmaceuticals. So it's, it's great. He hasn't been seizure-free this long forever and ever, and um, we will try and I'll try and get Melissa to call in maybe Wednesday with an update from her because he is now a Colorado resident, legal, getting medical care, using cannabis, and he's seizure-free for a whole week. Oh, so that is fantastic. Is, yes. So I just wanted to give you guys that. Have a great evening. Thank you so Keep going, much. Joe. Keep Once going. You, and I will talk to you guys next week. Warrior from Kansas. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you again. And um, always a pleasure to hear some good news. All right. Now we've got John Turmel from Canada. And um, if you were here with us last week, you – heard a whirlwind of information um, that spanned, I think, up to 50 years. I think it started in the 70s, and here we are. Uh, here we are in the in the in the teens. And uh, John, it's a pleasure to have you back. I'm, I'm I'm grateful that you sat on the line and listened to some of the other folks. Now it's your turn. Um, first of all, if anybody wants to talk to John, uh, all you have to do is pick up your phone and dial 646. Nine two nine two four nine five, and if you call in, we have our amazing uh, in the calls today, and uh, she will let me know what's going on, and you'll be able to speak with John directly. Um, well, how are you going doing today, John? Well, good. We got a few more people who filed statement of claims against being uh, having their MedPot grow permits delayed for months and months and months. And uh, so, if you want to recap on that situation, back in July, a guy, Wayland uh, O'Reilly, after 16 weeks waiting for a permit to grow outdoors, here we are now in July, he still doesn't have a permit to grow outdoors. If he plants in July, how much is he going to get? But anyway, he has a statement. How long is your season out there? It's not like it is down in Southern California. That's right, that's right. So uh, the season's almost over. So first thing the Crown does is ask for two weeks more <laughs> to answer, and the court goes, okay. And then when then the judge rules, dismisses his motion because she said, hey, he asked for twice as many plants as what he would get when he gets his exemption because his grow season's almost over. And she, the court ruled, you should have filed to amend your exemption. Remember, he didn't have it yet, okay? So, anyway, eventually did get properly, but that was the first one. September 18th, Dominic um, Gravel, after waiting for, what, uh, I think eight weeks or nine weeks, on May 25th to August, oh, three months, 12 weeks, he filed a statement of claim, and then he got one 10 days later. Don't forget, this is only like uh, 12 weeks, 13 weeks, instead of the normal 30 30 ain't normal. It's our record. Then Colleen Harris and Jeff Harris filed. Colleen waited 28 weeks 
And then she filed. And then she got it the next day because they'd sent it out three days earlier. <laughs> then Scott McCammon filed. He's another guy who wanted to renew. And his renew wasn't happening. And it was going to expire on the 19th. So he filed a statement of claim, filed a motion, and the judge dismissed it, and his exemption expired. And he was supposed to destroy all this stuff. And I think he broke the law and didn't. And then he got his exemption. And then the next one in September, Denise Baudouin, and she, hers was expiring on the 28th of September. This is my brother's girlfriend, his wife. So she filed a motion, a statement of claim, and a motion to be heard on the 27th, the day before. And they issued it three days later. One day later. Sorry, on the 22nd. So don't forget, this, Ray, my brother's case was the big one that all of these are based on in 2013 when his exemption was going to expire at midnight, May 31st. And they were jerking him around, and they weren't going to give him one, and it was going to expire. And even though he called them up days earlier and threatened them, said, if you guys don't get this to me, I'm going to call in my brother John, who you fought with before. And they didn't do anything. So on the last day, I drove down to Ottawa, typed up a motion on short notice, got it filed at 1 in the afternoon. Judge authorized a hearing at 6.30 on short notice. And guess who shows up? Alain Prefontaine, the lawyer who had fought me way back in the 2000s when I was in federal court with the 11 guys all fighting to get their exemptions. And he shows up at the hearing, and the judge goes, gee, Mr. Director General, what are you doing here on a permit case? The guy had been promoted to the Director General of the Justice Department. Okay, okay? and here he is. So the, he was nice enough to say, well, I handle the Termel cases. <laughs> so he explained. Well, you've got your own vision. <laughs> so he explained that he'd contacted Health Canada and that Stéphane Lassard, the director, had told him, couldn't understand why Ray's hadn't been processed in eight weeks um, because they usually process them in under four, note that, and renewals far less. Some people I know two weeks. So... The point was, under the old regime, they could process an exemption in four weeks and a renewal in far less. And my brother, his was expiring that night after eight weeks. So the judge, Roy, said, okay, I tell you what, I want all you guys from Health Canada back in my court tomorrow morning, Saturday morning at 1030. If you don't have it out to him, I want you to come in and explain why. So at 11.30 that night, they issued my brother's exemption. So they could tell the judge in the morning, okay, it's done. You can call off the hearing. Now, that, the important point was that it was stated before the court that exemptions were doable in four weeks and renewals in far less. So how come now, under the new regime, we're getting exemptions done in 30 weeks and renewals in 16 weeks? And letting them expire, you know? So, we have different... So, anyway, more people now. Denise got hers the next day. On the 28th, Ray Ferrier, after five weeks, said, that's enough. Four used to do it. I'm filing. Statement of claim. <laughs> five weeks later, he got it. He didn't even file a motion. He just filed a statement of claim. So, he got his after 10, while all these other people are still waiting after five months. Maybe filing a statement of claim gets their attention. 
Then on October the uh, 20th, Tony Van Edig, he wanted to appoint his son as his designated grower. And he'd sent in a motion to amend. And 13 weeks later, nothing. So I wrote up a kit for people who want to, you know, complain about the delays and amendments. And he filed it. And then they issued it within a week. So that's another one. He didn't have to go. Oh, and he did file a motion to be heard in front of a judge. And that's why they hustled their buns to get it to him so they could call off the hearing. So when you file a statement of claim, they might bump you up the list. But when you file a motion that says, I'm going to see a judge in four days, then they really move. So then finally, on October 31st, Art Jakes, they delayed his by rejecting his, saying it wasn't an original. Maybe you should try sending it in in blue. Now, it was an original. And you can easily tell if it's an original just by turning it around, getting a pencil, and scratching the back of the page, and you can see the indentation of originals, right? You ever done that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's how they could have figured out it's an original. So it was an original. They rejected the original because it was in black ink, and they couldn't figure it was original. So he's running around getting it all done in blue ink again, but in the meantime, he filed a statement of claim saying, why'd you guys reject my originals? I got these originals. You can see they're originals. So they're going to have to answer that now. And, uh, but, of course, he filed a motion. for uh, He wanted to amend his as well, wanted to move, it, move his grow. So he filed a motion as well. So now they're jumping around, and they, they find out, oh, you sent your blue application in? Great. Don't worry. We'll have it fixed before you're hearing next week. And they did in two days. Okay? They can move that fast when they got a motion staring their faces. And his beef about the forcing, about their rejecting an original goes on. Because under the security clearances section of the ACMPR, it advises applicants to use black ink. <laughs> but now they're jerking my guy around because he didn't use blue ink. doesn't say anywhere to use blue ink else. So that's just a really sleazy way. And I wonder if there's more people who had their originals rejected. Okay? I'd like to hear about that. And on November 18th, the best one, Stephen McIntyre, McIntosh, filed April 21st. 30 weeks later, 30 weeks later, he files a statement of claim on November the 7th, and 10 days later, they issue it. <clears throat> He's our longest guy. So, these are basically the different kits that are up there. People who are still waiting for their grow permit. People who are, want to, who are still waiting for the renewal. And there's two categories. Still waiting, not yet expired. And still waiting, expired. And finally, the last guy, still waiting for their amendments. Now, in those, so those are the categories of people. And to make it easy... We ask that one guy, Jeff Harris, be appointed as the lead plaintiff. They just picked the top name on the list, okay, and said we want to make him the lead plaintiff and send him all the documents. And we said, no, no, Jeff Harris, he'll file all documents in response. What that means for the people who are filing their papers is that all they got to do is file the $2 statement of claim, and I'll go through that process because I'm going to make a video, and I'm going to actually sh- do on video how you fill in the form and you go get it filed online at, Health Canada, at, at Federal Court's office. 
so. And basically, well, here's how it happens. You take the, you go to the kit page. Let's say delay um, statement of claim. So Dell SC dot doc X. I don't li- I download that. I fill in my name on the first page, and then I fill in my number. You know, the date I sent in my application on the second page, and on the third page I fill in my name, address, phone number, and stuff like that. The arguments are all in there, and then I insert my signature, a JPEG. I signed a JPEG, and I used the paint program to save a copy of my signature. So I insert my signature into the document, and now that all the blanks are filled out and the signature is there, I now save it as a PDF. Boom. Now I got this document, dellsc.pdf, and I'm ready to go. So I now go to the court uh, file, the, the, the court site, if you go to my instruction pages, there's a link to go right to the court site to open up your thing. When you click there, you've got to click English, okay. Then you click Initiate a New Proceeding, and then uh, you have to select what court. Well, you pick Federal Court or Federal Court of Appeal or Tax Court or Military Court. We want Federal Court. Then you have to choose the proceeding subject, and you choose against the Crown. And then the proceeding nature, and you choose others. Crown versus Queen actions. So then you click simplify to ordinary action. You click ordinary because it's an ordinary action. And then you click next. So that page is done. That's the information of what, what kind of case it is. Number two, there's the page that says add party. So you click the first one that says what role. Well, you choose plaintiff. And then you have to type is it individual or what? You know, individual. And then you type, put in your first name, your last name, and you click Save. Now you're back to Add Party again because you want to add the defendant. You were the plaintiff. And you click Other for defendants, and then you put in Her Majesty the Queen. Then you save that. So now you don't have to add any more people. You click Next. Now you're in a document page. All right, you're going to add a document. Click Add Document. So you now pick sec- Statement of Claim, Section 48, and then you click English. And then you click a browser to go find your file, dellsc.pdf. You click on it, it gets uploaded, and then um, there's no instructions, and then you simply click under your name as the filing party, and then click Save. And then with everything right, you click Next. Now you have to put in the party's filing information. You've got to put in your name, your address, your phone number, email, all that kind of stuff. Anything with a red star takes a few minutes. And then you choose a registry office nearest you. There's a drop-down menu. And then you simply click Next. If you're satisfied, you click Submit. So that's it. I can, I've done this. I can probably go run through the procedure in five, six minutes. Okay, because I've done it before several times. I mean, I do it for other people. They just give me their, they just email me their JPEG, and I can be their paralegal who goes and creates their document and gets it filed. Then they get a call the next day by the registry, and they want the two bucks. How are you going to pay it? Well, you give them a credit card, and they'll ding it two bucks. Then they're going to mail you a copy of your statement of claim with a nice gold star on it, and they will serve the crown. So you don't have to do anything more than the online click, submit your statement of claim with all the right information, and then they do everything else. 
Now, one other thing. There's another document there. This is a document that says I'm appointing Jeff Harris as the lead plaintiff so I don't have to file anything. And that, you print that PDF out, and then you sign it, and you fax it to the court. So those two things you do, and for a to- total cost of 2 bucks, you now have your beef on the record. Now, if you are in danger of expiring, or you need to get this amendment so you can move because your lease starts next month, you know, whatever, if you need to move, or if you really need it bad, you got cancer and you're still waiting for it after five months, on the instruction pages at the bottom are kits to create a motion for interim relief to allow you to start whatever you're asking for right away from a judge. Bam. So, once you file that motion, that takes an affidavit where you swear you have to commission it in front of a commissioner. A federal court clerk at the registry will do it for free. Otherwise, a lawyer or anybody, court clerk or whatever. And uh, you have to create your affidavit with your notice of motion asking for the interim relief and a short argument I've written there about why you want it. And then once you now have to go serve the crown attorney in the registry town, okay, you have to bring them a copy of it. And then you bring a copy to the court. So the best thing to do is if you're going to go to one of the big registries in your town, Edmonton, say, is that you get your copy, you shoot down there, it's all filled out, ready to go. The clerk commissions your oath, and now you've got a copy with the stamp and sworn affidavit. Now you go make three, four more copies at the copy shop. Bring one to the crown attorney. They stamp the back saying received. Bring that copy with two more back to the clerk. File it. And you're in with your motion for a hearing next week. Three clear days between. So that basically it gets real action. So far, we haven't had a hearing. I think three or four people have filed motions. And uh, only one guy, McCammon, where it was dismissed and they let him expire. But everybody else got their permits before and they could call off the hearings which is what the Justice Ministry wants to do. So once you file your statement of claim, now the Justice Ministry is on Health Canada's back saying, we've got to get this done in the next four days, or you've got to explain it to a judge. So that's basically some of the few successes. But right now we just got to get the message to people out there who are being jerked around that you can simply go file the $2 statement of claim and then fax the notice appointing Jeff Harris you know, your, your document deliverer, and then sit back and see what happens. But if you're someone who needs an interim permit, well, then you can do both things right away. So that is basically – so I'm going to do a video where I'm going to look at the site of the federal court as I key in the information and do a one-time thing to show how actually easy it is so that you can start showing your friends how to do it. Take five minutes. Well, so, oh, geez, you, you're waiting for an exemption? Just, Here, let's sit. What? I, I just wanted to uh, 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 clarify a few things. So, basically, the way that Canadian uh, uh, rule is set, that you, if you want to uh, cultivate on your own property um, for your own personal use, you have to file this exemption that you're talking about. And well, you have to get one, yeah. 
it gives you, you I mean, in the states they do it differently. So that's why I'm I'm trying to clarify what specifically is going on, and then their way of of maybe keeping you from having the liberty that you should have is they just haven't responded and they leave people hanging. So you've come up with this method of of making it easy, created a a a, a, a suit that um, now they're aware of clearly. And you you made it easy for people to uh, uh, to do this. Now you created this website, um, and it's a, it's sort of a self help website. What inspired you to do that? I mean, you're, you're not making money off of this as a as a no, service. No, no, Well, you're uh, just doing it to help. Yeah, it's it's part of my. Well, I'm I, in politics. You know that I'm in politics. Well, yeah, so, yeah. When I, I ran in my. About when I ran in my first election, I said I wanted to legalize gambling, prostitution, and dope. Okay? Right. I said we got better stuff to do with our cops. So I've been the champion of legalization for my whole career. So in 2000, when my brother got busted, he said, hey, time to come back and use your talents in the courts to fight for marijuana. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, in the early 80s, I helped poor people who were being evicted with what I called stiff bank kits, automatic statement of defenses against foreclosure actions, which immediately stalled everything while the lawyers had to try and get these things dismissed, which could take anywhere from six months to a couple of years. Then you could file an appeal, and it would take another six months to a couple of years to get dismissed. And then you can file leave to the Supreme Court of Canada. That's another half a year so before you get evicted. So that's, you know, I had one, two, three, four, I think four cases of evictees who reached the Supreme Court of Canada. But they get to live in their house rent-free while they're fighting, which makes that a valuable thing. It stops the rent if you put in a defense. If you don't put in a defense, up oh, default judgment, and you're out a month later with the sheriff at the door. But if you put in a defense, oh, oh, paperwork in a way slows everything down. So I had a lot of experience with creating these sets of forms with generic arguments that everybody wanted to use. I want to stiff my, the interest in my debt because they never printed it. I accept responsibility for the principal, okay? But I repudiate the interest because they never printed it. And I want you to knock whatever interest I did pay off my capital principal debt to find out what my true number is. Oh, you owe me. So anyway, that was where the kits came from, through fighting the banks with foreclosure kits. So here we now start with the, um, you know, against Health Canada and, you know, took kits because I had, we're using all these different people fighting for their exemptions. And it was always the same thing. The pharmacists overruling the doctors, saying they weren't satisfied with why the doctors wanted to do this. You know, what might do Health Canada's pharmacists have to check up on the doctors? And how dare, how would the doctors call themselves professionals? It's like an engineer being questioned by the stock boy about why he wants 4 by 4s you know what I mean? It's the doctor being questioned by Health Canada pharmacists. What's going on here? So that's how the kits came about. So back in 2013 was the real big chance for marijuana when 
just dismantle and cut off 18,000 patient growers in one shot. Now, nobody heard about it because they were too busy celebrating the 18,000 who didn't get cut off. Survivors. That made the news. But the fact that 18,000 lost their permits because the judge said, oh, this is a story of Allard. You know, they're having the Allard hearing to see whether or not to extend people's exemptions. Well, Robert Roy's exemption was expiring on the day of the hearing, March 18. So, on March 18, Judge Manson reserves his decision, comes back three days later and says, okay, exemptions are extended for everybody who's still alive. But if you expired three days ago, you're cut off. Got it? That didn't make the news. That didn't make the news. Half a year's worth of people got cut off in one shot. So I came up with kits demanding the right to start growing again, and I got 300 people to fill them out and join us on this action. And then when the judge did something uh, we didn't like, I think 50 appealed, or 50 filed motions, and 20 appealed, and 11 made it to the Supreme Court of Canada. And uh, at the top, they just say not important enough. 18,000 patients losing their growth, not an issue of national interest. So that is the true story, well, well, part story of the Allard decision, okay? The fact that Manson, with his picking of the date, said, I grandfather everybody's growth exemptions, but possession permits, no, starting now, which means that you need a possession permit to use your grow permit. So you got 18,000 people with a valid grow permit still, but he just canceled the possession permits. So that was the oh, dirty deed. Just, um, 18,000 patient growers cut off one shot. Neat, eh? And it didn't make the news. The 18,000 survivors, ah, celebrating that made the news. Big win, you know, extension of the redemptions. Didn't mention the half people who lost them, you know. So that's when the kits came in handy, and I got 300-plus people to file a you know, statement of claim. So now we are at a different situation where I've been told they've had over 100,000 applications now. Wow. One guy from two months ago, Ray Terrier, who filed Alan's, uh, wait a minute now, waited four weeks. That was 10. I think he filed in, in August or, or just before. Anyway, he was number 72,000 permit. Nope. So I can wow. believe in two, three more months, they got another 30,000 permits. Don't forget these, these uh, cash for exemption doctors are all over the place running people through. So they got over 100,000 exemptions. But here's the thing. I would, my sister-in-law, Denise, she got hers after eight weeks, but she was number 3,000. How many weeks you think it take for number hundred thousand? So I believe. How many people do they have working on processing this? I, mean, it seems I like, am. Uh, I am betting. I am betting that ninety percent of the people got exemptions issued five six months later. Wow. Which means that. You know, there's still a lot of people out there who don't have it. Now, when I tell people, even if you got it. You should still file a complaint with us. Now, I know most people who got it, they don't want to deal with Health Canada no more. They're sick of it. 
They're going to get screwed next year when they renew and they lose three months. Okay, from the when the doctor signed again three months before your exemption expire. Every year you're going to lose three months. But anyway, they got it, and they're they're just too down down and depressed by the experience to want to fight back. The people who are still waiting, ah, oh, they should they should file, you know. But I mean, everybody can file. You waited five months for yours. Spend your two bucks. Get a gold star. Of course, you know. So anyway. People don't want their name in public, I suppose, and who can blame them? So, uh, but those people who are being jerked around, well, you know you get popped to the top of the list. Here's a guy who files after four or five weeks and gets it four or five weeks later. Now, that's the best service anyone's heard of so far under the ACMTR. And so, mind you, Denise, she got it the next day, but they'd been working on it for 14 weeks or whatever. So... As soon as you pass four weeks, you ought to file and see if you can now get bumped up so that you get your exemption in another four or five weeks instead of another 25 weeks. Okay? That's one thing for sure. And if you file the statement, the uh, motion, well, that really gets their attention. So everything is there needed to do that. Now, the criminal stuff, because you've got people who are in jail, let me tell you about my... Mm, the only guy I've ever had had to go in jail and stay in jail, okay, Adrian Storm. And uh, it's the wildest story imaginable, okay? And uh, they even bribed him, coerced him at the end not to appeal. But anyway, I'll tell you the story. He basically, there was a fire in his garage, and the fireman discovered he had 65 plants. So they busted him charged him with, with production for the purpose of trafficking and possession for the purpose of trafficking. And they busted the wife, too, just because they always do. Now, he filed both my kits. He filed the motion to quash on the grounds that other um, people had had constitutional victories, which make the law dead for him. Or he was busted while the MMPR said the law was dead. So either it was dead from the past or it's dead again because the, exempt, the regime was no good. But that was his motion to quash. He also filed a charter challenge, which said, if you're not going to say the law is dead, I'm doing the same thing as Matt Murnau did. I'm going to show my patients, and I'm going to show to you how the exemption wasn't working because the doctors weren't signing for non-medical reasons. And this was in Montreal where – the doctors are advised not to sign association, everybody. So um, two motions now. you got the non-constitutional quash that's supposed to be heard before you plead, and then you have the constitutional motion that's supposed to be heard in your trial after you plead. So he gets the trial. It's a jury trial. We always take a jury make it expensive. And uh, the judge starts with the constitutional motion. And he says, well, first of all, he says, you made a mistake here. You quoted the MMAR, and you were busted under the MMPR. So I'm dismissing your constitutional motion. That was my mistake. I made that mistake. So I'm not going to appeal the dismissal of the charter motion, which was proper. That was on May 8th. Now, the next day, at the opening of his trial now, he asks the judge, hey, what about my quash motion that says the law is still dead from the past? Judge says, I'm dismissing that one too, same reason, except 
that the cross motion did cite the proper MMPR regime. I didn't make the mistake in both, only in the in the charter motion. So, after he was found guilty, and he was sentenced to the minimum six months in jail, he filed a notice of appeal against the dismissal of the Quash motion, the May 9th decision, not the charter motion, the May 8th decision. So, he ends up now in... Um, well, he was sent into jail, and I'm trying to get him out of jail now with a release pending appeal. Well, in Ontario, they have forms, release, I mean, the notice of appeal forms the jailers give you. You fill it out by hand, you hand it to them, they send it to the court, and then you have a hearing three days later. I've popped myself, I popped another guy out of Ottawa, and I, uh, uh, Neil, and I popped another guy out of the Don Jail in Toronto on those kind of applications that you could do themselves but in Quebec they don't have notice of appeal kits the notice of appeal forms so I had I didn't know this so I had to get a notice of appeal to his wife she had to bring it into him at the jail he had to wait for a commissioner of oaths then he had to get it signed then he had to get it back out to the wife then she had to bring it into the courtroom and then at the courthouse the clerks are telling her oh we can't have a hearing because you need the transcripts now in my notice of motion I always put a blurb call it the self-defender blurb it says I'm asking for this and for any other order to fix any other little defect or typo or flaw or, or color or anything or to dispense with a transcript. I put that right in the motion, to dispense with the transcript. So they call up the wife and say, well, we can't give him his hearing, you know, because we don't have the transcripts. So I call up the court clerk and I said, hey, I asked for the judge to dispense with the transcripts. So if you're now insisting that he come up with the transcripts, I need a copy of the order of a judge stating he's dismissing the motion to dispense with the transcripts. And the clerk said, well, why do you say the judge has to sign an order? You know, and I said, well, want me to write a letter? He said, sure. So I sent him a fax, and I basically told him, you know, I mean, we asked, I put it right in there, dispense with the transcripts. The only person who can say yes or no is a judge. That's why if you're going to stick with this, I need an order of a judge. Otherwise, I ask for reconsideration. And boom, the lady gets a call at 5 that night, and she says, okay, we booked your husband for his hearing on Wednesday. And then he got released pending appeal by the judge. So, but that's another story. So now here comes his appeal. The Crown make a motion to throw out his appeal as frivolous because it was based on the MMAR. They don't even know about the May 9th decision quash that was dismissed. They think we're appealing the charter that where we've made the mistake on the MMAR. So I write an explanation for where the clerk made a mistake on this in letting the Crown try to throw this case out. And he walks in the day of his hearing, says, I've got an explanation for the documentation here. Now, another reason, too, he was challenged both the conviction with the quash, and he was challenging the, sec the sec um, sentence because there was a decision came down in B.C. two days on June 7th, I forget the name of it now, which struck down mandatory minimums for marijuana.
so. He handed in that to Elliot, I think it was called. He handed in that decision to his judge and said, hey, I want to challenge this because they said it's unconstitutional. So she said, okay, we're going to send that up. So he's got two issues at his appeal. Well, when he gets to the appeal, the judges are under the impression that this is a joke because he's appealing the NMAR, which is what the Crown told him. And he said, well, here's my letter explaining how I'm appealing the MMPR. <laughs> okay? I didn't make the mistake in this one here. But they wouldn't take the document. Okay? They wouldn't take his thing originally. But then when he mentions the Elliott decision, now they're looking for it. Oh, the second motion. That was it. He said, hey, I had a second motion there. They don't even know about it. It's not even in the record. The one to quash, dismissed on May 9th. The judges are looking, well, where is this May 9th decision? <laughs> they go into the back room, and then I come up to the clerk, and I say, that's what he was trying to hand them in, a copy of his May 9th <laughs> decision and motion that they don't have. So the clerk went into the back and told them, that's what he was trying to hand in, what you're looking for right now. <laughs> so they came back out, and they say, okay, we'll accept his documentation. In it was the explanation that we're not appealing the MMAR exemption. We're appealing the MMPR, the quash. Guess what? They didn't read it, and they dismissed his appeal, and they sent him back to jail. All right? So I'm going to be able to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada that these guys dismissed it because they thought an appeal against the MMAR was frivolous, when the documentation says it's an appeal against the MMPR on May 9th, not MMAR on May 8th. Imagine. So we got this great, great appeal to bring to the Supreme Court of Canada, but he's in jail. Now, the first time they kept him in jail, 19 days, instead of four in Ontario before he finally got out. In Quebec, you have to do a sixth of your sentence before you're eligible for early release by the, by the jails. And then after one-third, you have a, pro, a parole hearing. So he's only got 11 more days till his one-sixth, and the jailers can let him out. So on his hearing after one-sixth, they go, oh, gee, we didn't get your documentation from the, from the court in Montreal and the Crown. We can't do anything for you. Sorry, back in jail. So, next thing you know, the lawyer he'd hired to talk to the Crown says, oh, they got a deal for you. They got a deal for you. If you drop your appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada, they will let you out and they will drop your possession, for possession charges. Now, his wife was acquitted at the jury trial. Because he admitted, he grew it, he sold it, okay? He gave a statement of admissions, all my people do. But she didn't. She didn't do anything. So they found him guilty. They found her not guilty. So now they have another charge of possession for the purpose of trafficking, which she was found not guilty of producing, all right? So I filed her a motion for double jeopardy. Double jeopardy, Otrofwaki in Canada, or Otrofwakovi, says that if you've been acquitted of a substantially similar charge based on the same facts, you can't do both. So, since the production has already been dealt with and she was found not guilty, it's not right that she be charged with possession for what she was found not guilty of producing. So that is on the table. And, of course, him, when he gets out, 
He can file Otrefois Covey. He can say, hey, I've already been convicted of production. How can they convict me of possession of what I produced? Not fair. Him too. A great double jeopardy appeal. But he's got to get out. So he gets this offer. We heard you're going to go to the Supreme Court of Canada. You're with Termel. He always does. So you promise us not to go to the Supreme Court, and we'll drop the possession charges, and we'll let you out. So he, so he signed. Next day, they dropped the possession charges against him and his wife and got rid of the double jeopardy motions. They love that. But he shows up at his next hearing for release. They still haven't sent his documentation. Whoa! So, back on, bug, bug, bug. Finally, third time round, he's released. So that was his story. Now, he doesn't want to do anything. He's scared until the six-month period is over that I want him to file with the Supreme Court of Canada anyway because these judges really screwed up in a Keystone Courts type of situation. I mean, they got the wrong date on the wrong motion. They look like complete fools. How can we not want to put this into the top archives? So, but he's, you know, he's worried if they can come after him again because if he reneges, Here's my point. I said to him, look it, if after six months, I want to go file it anyway. And if they want to bring up the letter where they coerced you into promising not to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada, great. We get to make fun of them at the top. But I don't even think they're going to introduce that shameful document. So in March, when his six-month danger is over, I want him to apply for leave to appeal and for an extension of time and explain he needs the leave to appeal because these dirty shitbags kept him in court an extra three weeks by not sending in the documentation and keeping them under the bargain. And since he didn't trust them, he waited till the six months is over. And that's why he's fighting right now. Great story, eh? Adrian Sturm and his wife. So I hope he has the, you know, the stones to go through at the top. You know, most people, once they're out of it, they just want to forget about it and, you know, and, and heal. So anyway, what a great story, though, right? They it's start, hard to find they, willing to stand and fight after their case is over. Yeah. Well, they extorted him to drop his, to drop his, uh, well, promise to drop his, uh, Thing to the Supreme Court of Canada, but they got rid of the double jeopardy cases. They they traded it to them. Oh, we'll drop these charges that you're going to win on <laughs> if you do this. So, but with the wife's name stuck in there too, you know, who can who can blame the guy for saying no? He's saying yes. But anyway, he still can simply go and renege because they reneged. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to tell him to do. But what a great story, eh? And imagine, these oh, judges, we, ex- we explained to them, there's two different motions here. And the one you can't find, here it is. And then they deliver a decision 15 minutes later without reading it? Oh, oh. And they even quote the MMAR again in their decision. They quote the wrong, the wrong regime. What a beautiful case at the top. So, anyway, I hope he does it. Well, I, I appreciate you checking in with us today, John. I've got uh, a NorCal report I still need to get to. I've got All about right. nine minutes to the show. But I do, I want to have you back on again. There's so much to talk about. I want to talk about your political career. 
want to talk about. All right. So, you have you 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 are one of the few uh, guests I've had that I think I could probably do uh, five or six or seven shows and ne- never even really make a dent in in your story. But uh, yeah, you, you demonstrate what one remarkable person can do, and I like to. Uh, Give you a voice and 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 echo, you know, amplify your reach a little. Because the more people that can listen and learn that they can stand up and do this on their own, I think the better we all are, and the tyranny falls, and the the power of the people rises up, no matter who you are. Well, YouTube MedPot or ACNPR MedPot Grow Permit Forms tomorrow and I should have the video done by then so if you go to YouTube and you look for ACMPR probably MedPot Forms would be enough keywords to find the video where basically I went over it quickly orally but if you want to see what it looks like it'll be on video absolutely and John we're connected on Facebook now so if you want to send me a link I will forward it around um, my channels as well Okay, I'll do that. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, and I will uh, contact you in a couple of weeks, and we'll have you come back and talk about more of your exploits and some of the uh, the amazing uh, uh, progress you've made. Once again, folks, John Vermeil, the engineer, the the man who run for office more times than anybody else, um, and quite an amazing story. Of stories we have here. Okay, thanks a lot, Joe. All right, John, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for being here. All right, folks, we got enough time for Tom Corby and the NorCal Report before we wrap things up. Tom Corby, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Tom And uh, I'm here tonight with uh, uh, with a band that's playing in Doc Allen's here. And Steve Lykin actually hung out with Jack Hare, very close with Eddie Lepp. And uh, Eddie was supposed to come today, too. Uh, he would like to say a few words. Uh, they're really, it's really noisy out there now. We're having a jam session here. Uh, don't want to get uh, in the way of your uh, I said I don't anyway, want to get so, in the way of the jam. Right, Keep going. So, I work good. Work. You got a couple more minutes. Right. Oh, listen. So I'm gonna cut to chase. Uh, I want to thank you, Joe and Becca, always, and and the Coffee Party Radio Show. And uh, I have Eric Pierce coming up. It's on the, our Human Solution Calendar. Uh, dot org. Uh, uh, he's coming up with first trial assignment conference at 8.30 a.m. this Friday a.m. Uh, I really can't believe they're taking him on on the trial 
for this misdemeanor mushroom charge that we talked about. Uh, they're almost legal. They're actually legal in Amsterdam now, and uh, it's getting close here. Just another plant, uh, a psychotropic like cannabis, and uh, no one should go to jail for our plant. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on out here. It might be a little noisy, and I want Steve to come on just for a second. Is that all right, Joe? Sure. Okay. Okay. Here I'm. Yeah, going of course. Now. Kind of noisy. Doc Allen's there too, and Donna's on the other phone before it goes dead. If I go dead, I want to thank everybody today. And attention, uh, this this is Steve Lykin here, and this is Joe Grumman here on the radio show. How you doing, Joe? Doing well. Welcome to the show. Ah, thank you very much. Sounds like a lot of interesting uh, different, you know, places you guys are coming from this evening. It's kind of hard to listen to sometimes because, you know, of the injustice, and uh, it's, it's hard for some people to swallow, and uh, and most people don't. Yeah, I, 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 it's a rich old brew, but not everybody can handle it. That's for damn sure. No, but, you know, the truth, uh, the one thing about the truth is it never lies. That's and, so true. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people, they don't they don't like that, you know, because spins on everything that they can and keep us from uniting as, you know, one people with one good purpose, you know, which is justice and, and you know, love, you know. And, and that's the last thing they want to hear. You know, why they're so afraid of marijuana is because, you know, they're afraid that, we're going to come together and see through their bullshit when we smoke it, you know, and they like to take the power from us. They'd rather you be on your pharmaceuticals, um, you know, drifting in that crazy world where you take one and you need three other ones to counteract the, the, the problems that the one causes. And then those cause a few problems. So now you need a couple more and, you know, don't listen to doctors, you know, smoke weed, eat good food. Have good vibes, manifest beautiful things because your mind is more powerful than their bullshit. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you very much, man. And uh, you, I'm gonna pass. Yeah, thanks for on. joining the show. All right, All right. <laughs> Tom, you got any last minute? We got uh, uh, just a couple seconds left here. Joe, I want to thank you. I'm also here with Doctor Allen tonight and Cheeto. Uh, and Scott are friends, and uh, they actually were getting a band going, and they're they're awesome, and we're gonna write a song on ending prohibition. And that's our bottom line goal and vision uh, to end prohibition. Scott, do you have something you'd like to say? Oh, uh, I was just talking about playing some more guitar music. All right, we're <laughs> gonna <laughs> we're gonna get back to music, and we're gonna hear. All right, Tom. Uh, well, I'm going to let you get back right. to it. I want to thank everybody uh, who has joined the show today. I want to thank the Coffee Party and the Coffee Party Radio Network for giving us a voice. I want to thank Becca Nichols for being the amazing screener that she is. And everybody who has listened, please share the link to this so that others can listen to. And we will speak. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said, Don, you were always on my mind.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.